In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Game day, well, not really, but it's coming soon. We're playing the Patriots, and I'm here with Jack and Ian. Jack, how are you? I'm good. It's uh, it's soon flying along this season. Uh, what we this will effectively be a third of the season done, um, which is is just mad, absolutely insane. Ian, how are you? I am good. Are you hanging out with uh? Patriots superfan Harry Kane, or what, what are you doing out there in the fields of England? Uh, I'm actually at Goodwood uh, Races at the moment, so if you hear any cars go by, that's why. But uh, no, I'm not hanging out of Harry Kane, I'm afraid to say. But I am super excited about beating the Patriots. Now, if I'm correct, the last time I was in Patriots was four years ago. Does that make sense? Maybe when you were there, we played them last year and got taken out back of the woodshed and spanked like a disciplined child 45 7 i believe that's how bad it was last time it was grim that was the game where nick chubb broke off that long run we thought he was going to score a touchdown and then they punched it out at like the five yard line right (laughs) i'll say this it seems like every time we play the patriots like fans really you know like paul's mentioning like he when he was there in new england fans really take the win as like a badge of honor because beating the Patriots just comes with such like valor. And it's mainly because of Brown's former head coach, Bill Belichick. I mean, this is a guy who he is a defensive master, a special teams guru, and he just lets his offense be efficient while the defense every year is consistent. It's like offensively efficient and defensively consistent. That is the Patriots every single year now it's, it's a really run, well-run team obviously there, there's still that aura around them through the Brady era even though he's gone there's still that sort of vibe there and um who knows how long that will take to change but people thought Tom Brady was good they've upgraded they've got Bailey Zappi now at quarterback the guy that anyone listening to this podcast would have known about is the guy that if we were taking a day three quarterback, he would have been the pick based on me and not anything uh, scientific from inside the building. Well, listen, I mean, he is a Western Kentucky Hilltopper, and I do find it odd that it took him one game to get more wins than Deshaun Kaiser. So I think that should just show you right there. If people remember years ago, Brady tears his ACL, Matt Castle comes in, leads the Patriots to a 10 and six record, I believe stole a playoff spot from the Browns that year, or they missed the play. There was something in that little uh, patch where the Browns won 10 games and didn't make the playoffs because of the bloody Patriots. But it is crazy. He steps in Bailey Zappi. He does exactly what his job is. Like anytime you've ever heard people quote Bill Belichick and, you know, we've had Ronnie Bailey on the program last year, he played for bill and they tell you the same thing. Bill doesn't give a single shit about the other 10 guys around you. When he's speaking to you, his entire motto is do your job. You know, Paul, when you're on site, you know, you said today you're at the racetrack 
and you're putting together like your schedule of events, you tell each person on your team, you do your job. Am I right? Exactly. And most of the time, my team mess up. But anyway, that's about Paul's Baked Bean Media Live. Quick question, though. We do wonder why this podcast doesn't get broadcast on the Baked Bean Media uh, social media channels. Well, we see why now, everybody. Yeah, exactly. And tell us, did Kaiser ever win a game of uh, uh, NFL American football? Not as as a starter. We may have came on and won a game. He may have played in a game that we ended up winning, but I believe his record as a starter was over. He played in a um, Packers game that they won. Because I think he came in for a couple of series, if I'm right, or he came in late in a game. Is that why they uh, trained He didn't start it. He didn't start it. Shout out to you, Deshaun Kaiser. You're always a very nice guy. I do apologize that you had to go through that 2017 season, much like we did. I have confirmed his starting record as a quarterback or his, Career record as a starting quarterback is 0-15. With a 53.1% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns, 24 interceptions, 3,081 yards. At least he's consistent. Just like the Patriots, consistently consistent. So, well, Jack, we've had a few days to kind of digest the Chargers debacle, as I want to call it. Um, everybody came out into the media and said the necessary things. Transactionally, the move, the Browns made a few moves. They released Miller time for stall. Then they brought him back on practice squad. Right. And the same with Thomas Graham. I mean, was there any other catch up moves we need to kind of get caught up on? So obviously we touched on the Deion Jones news. And at the time we said, um, this probably isn't a piece of breaking news that several people put out who should have known much better straight after the trade. And was like, Oh, straight after the game, Andrew Berry's making moves. They're panic buying. It was like, it was never going to be the case that it works that way. Um, since um, Kevin Stefanski spoke and mentioned sort of a couple of weeks. And it was one that, why would you sign a trade for a guy that is still on injured reserve? Everything was done with the trade. And it was a case of waiting for him to come back, which is it's how good teams operate. Um, and then we've signed a uh, big, uh, nose tackle, a defensive uh, tackle that knows how to keep guys off Deion Jones, but Tyler Davis son, Davis son, we have to get that right. And Jack, you're right about Deion Jones. I actually wonder how bad, cause he had an off season shoulder surgery. And it was one of those ones where you wonder if the Falcons were like, listen, buddy, we would like to trade you. So your ass is going to sit on IR until we find somebody to trade you. And then we'll designate you to return. So you almost wonder if, since they couldn't find a trade partner before week one, they said, listen, we're going to put you on IR. You're going to get all your money. We're going to restructure the signing bonus. Thank you very much. And then they told all teams that were interested in Deion Jones, you got to wait four weeks and then he can be yours. Let's talk offers. So really all they did was kind of extend the negotiating period. Oh, they, they were trying all offseason to move him. So they were well up for moving him. And quite frankly, it's a sensible thing to do. He's not going to be on the team next year. And if you're a rebuilding franchise, it's not about so much about saving money. It's about you don't want a guy on your team that is just there to pick up a paycheck effectively at that point. And that's not anything about his character. If you're a veteran that's earned it, you don't want to be sat there going, oh, yeah, what am I doing here? Whereas you get a guy that is battling to make a team, not just now, but next year, you can then see these guys and go, hey, do we want this guy to be around? If, if it was someone like, hey, Grady Jarrett, 
that's the sort of veteran you want. You want someone that should be there for three, four more years, and then they can be a part of the rebuild. You don't want a guy that you're going to let go of in a few months' time and go, oh, we expect you to be a leader in this rebuild because it doesn't work for either side. Absolutely. And now here's my question. Great Deion Jones, Atlanta, we've seen him make plays. Can he help our defense? Because, Jack, when I pull up the injury report, two things stand out for me. Thursday at practice, Miles Garrett did not practice. Thursday at practice, Jadavian Clowney did not practice. So the two guys that are competent defensive linemen did not practice on Thursday. Now, is that because they're slating them to play on Sunday? Maybe. I haven't seen any indications that either of them kind of really came out of the last game worse for wear, which would lend you to think that they're going to play. But also this tells you they're likely going to be on limited snap counts, which means we're going to have a subpar defensive line against a team in the Patriots that just goose-egged the leading scoring team in the NFL, that being the Detroit Lions. Now, I watched that game. It was, it was an interesting game in the sense that the Lions kind of got hit early with that Savion uh, guy going down and having to, the hospital or the ambulance was out. But in listening to the game, the, the broadcasters pointed out some pretty interesting things. The Patriots run 80% of their running plays within the tackles. And obviously with Damian Harris being out, he takes up most of the 20% to the outside. They just brought back Marcus Cannon as kind of their uh, extra lineman. So we don't know right now if it's going to be Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. It's leaning, I think, probably 55-45 towards Zappi. Um, Jones is back at practice. He's moving on a limited base. But... At the end of the day, it's not going to matter who plays quarterback if all he has to do is turn around and hand the ball to Ramondre Stevenson, who tore the Lions up last week. And listen, Paul has a very intimate connection with the Patriots' left tackle. So the offensive line for the Patriots, you have Trent Brown at the left tackle, who is just a massive man. I mean, we'll have to find that picture of Paul and Trent Brown to share with the world just to show you how minuscule Paul looks. Uh, Cole Strange, the rookie at left guard. David Andrews and Cole Strange are your kind of weaker points in terms of that left guard center. David Andrews is a solid vet, but if they're going to run the ball, they're likely going to go either outside to Trent Brown side or they're going to go to the right guard, Mike Owanu. He's kind of right now, I think, their strongest offensive lineman at right guard. And then Isaiah Wynn, the well-talked-about guy out there at right tackle. So the Browns' defensive line, I don't think you're going to probably see Deion Jones even play this week. So Jack, can we get fixed this defensive front seven? Because we know the Patriots are going to pound, pound, pound the Browns until they prove they can stop this run. I think it's really going to depend on how the, the new guy plays because there's okay play from, um, from Tate and Bryant. It's just okay. It's not great. It's not anything. But Jordan Elliott, as we said going into season, isn't an NFL starter. And everything we've been shown is... That is 100% true. The only one defensive tackle we had last year that looked like they belonged on an NFL field was Sheldon Day. And that's not as a starter. I'm just talking about belongs on the field. And, um, yeah, it's grim. Um, they need to do something different. And, quite frankly, I, they've stopped the pass in the last few games. It doesn't mean anything. The problem in your right is if you can't stop the run, stopping the pass becomes harder because – I went back and was watching, and I know a lot of the Browns film breakdown guys did it. Jack, some of the holes that those guys were running through 
were just massive. And then when you talk about the effect that that has, so I went back and I was like, when did Denzel Ward get concussed? Like it didn't, I, I didn't see it live. I didn't see anything. So the last play that he was in on was Austin Eckler had a 17 yard gain at the beginning part of the fourth quarter where Denzel had to make the tackle. The hole, they showed you three angles of the play on the TV broadcast and the hole that Eckler ran through was three gaps wide. And if you go back to our last podcast, they basically went over the B gap on the left-hand side. And Denzel Ward was forced to make a tackle on Austin Eckler, who's widely regarded as one of the strongest pound for pound guys in the NFL. And it was a, it wasn't like a blow, but you could tell when he got tackled that his head kind of got pinned between the running back and the ground. And he got tweaked a little bit when you can't stop the run. And I have a running back 15 yards down the field, plowing into my hundred million dollar cornerback. He gets concussed. So for all the people out there saying, well, the coverage, well, what happens when all these guys, Ramonde Stevenson is a big man as well. You want him running full speed into Grant Delpert or John Johnson or Greg Newsom or any of these guys know that you need to stop them with the bigger guys. So now Denzel Ward's questionable for this weekend because he had to make a tackler tackle on a running back. So we have to get this short up because it's going to have a downstream impact on the health of our roster. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one that I wrote an article that dropped today. Um, over on the OBR free read and it was four lessons Andrew Berry can learn and it's not kind of the the be all revisional I'll draft better players blah 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 but it's one looking at decisions and I still think the right philosophy was made to go cheaper at defensive tackle and linebacker because hey that just means better edges better safeties better corners there's a difference between going cheap at defensive tackle and Jordan Elliott and that is the bit that people kind of just skip over and go, oh, it's not saying go out and get Calais Campbell. It's saying you just need to get somebody that's okay, Tim Settles, those sort of players that they just do a job. Um, so, yeah, there is a, a certain learning curve that needs to be taken. Um, I don't want a shift in philosophy where we overinvest in defensive tackles a panic, but you just need to get better. Um, I cannot understand why Sheldon Richardson is not on the Browns roster, let alone any roster. Um, that sort of stuff is beyond me. I get Sue, Sue's slightly older. Um, he's quite rightly all about the money. And who knows? Maybe Sheldon Richardson is just playing and saying, hey, for me to come back. I mean, let's be honest, Jack, he's made a lot of money. But at the end of the day, I went back and looked at like Tim Settle and a few of these other guys. And, you know, I, I said for cheap Justin, Justin Jones from the Bears, who actually made one play last night. It's probably the only play. Um, these guys have all struggled. Like if you go back and you look at all their PFF grades, they're in the 50s, 60s. So it's not like they are there. The, the, the comparison, though, our guys are in the 30s. So obviously you can't make a two to one metric here. But in saying that, you have to get guys that can play at a competent level. And as Bill Belichick famously says, do your job. And to your point about the linebackers, and I think it was proven true with Anthony Walker isn't some high-priced Bobby Wagner, $10 million a year guy, and he came in and was outplaying all of them and is one of the top linebackers. And I almost wonder, it's like, say Deion Jones comes back and starts playing to Anthony Walker's level, then that shows you that the scheme that Woods is running has a specific type of player that it needs for that role. Like we talked in the offseason about the Patriots and Jawan Bentley. Jawan Bentley is a run-stopping, downhill thumper of a linebacker. The Patriots have put him in a situation where that's what he does. That's his role. 
So when we flip over to the Browns offense versus the Patriots defense, we'll break down some of these guys. But at the end of the day, the Browns have specific guys in certain locations that are doing their job, but a vast majority of them aren't. So what happens is when you start pulling out the pegs at the bottom, the house will start to fall. No, it's, it's one that it's, it's uncomfortable watching these games um, because there's lots of stuff that is going right. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is a game where Browns fans are also going to get disappointed that there is a strong running game and it is going to constantly run them over. I'd be careful with Deion Jones. I think there's going to be a lot of expectations on him. It wasn't good recently. Um, go back to last year, it's not there. And it's one where you've given up nothing. So he's effectively just a tiny bit above the minimum salary in the NFL. Swapped a six for a seventh round pick, which is nothing. Um, so that is a deciding factor. It's not like Amari Cooper where they went, hey, we don't want to pay 20 million guaranteed. Can you take 20 million of guarantees on? Which is, that's why he was so cheap. This is very much a, hey, he's costing nothing. We're giving him away for nothing. We're effectively cutting him. So um, view it as a, it's a basement player and he, he might be really bad and he's on IR a couple of weeks down the line or even barely seeing snaps. So it, it, the, it, the, the ceiling's good, but the floor is incredibly low still. So, oh, yeah, the floor is he's off the roster. But it, to be fair, right now, that's probably the performance we're getting. And listen, we, we have to understand that when Jacob Phillips is put into a role for him to succeed, he doesn't do that bad. You know, we were just having this conversation in the group chat about structures and allowing people to succeed. Well, it's not necessarily about making that person a star as much as it is about highlighting their strengths and hiding their weaknesses, right? So if we know that Jacob Phillips right now is not an every down linebacker, how do we best hide that weakness? Taki Taki was the same way, right, Jack? Look at how much his, his performance has dropped when he's now taking on a role outside of that small bubble structure, 20 to 25 snaps that he had. So that's what we need to do is find guys that in specific roles can succeed because at this point, if we're trying to battle against this offensive line and don't forget, they've got Hunter Henry as well. I don't know if John Smith's going to be back this week. He missed last week. They have a tight end. That's very effective as well in both the blocking and pass catching game. So you know their receivers are going to block. You know their tight end's going to block. I mean, they kind of rotate Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. None of those names blow you off the, off the charts. So at the end of the day, the Browns need to just be consistent on defense because I think this game offensively may – my take on how this game offensively is going to go I think may shock people. But overall, I think defensively, no, no boom plays. And if it is Bailey Zapp – Make him uncomfortable. And that's going to be on Miles. That's going to be on Jadavian Clowney. Not always getting so far up the field. Maybe we start putting in some inside stunts. Maybe we start looping guys around. You know, I know the famous uh, clip that's gone viral last week was Grady Jarrett sacking Tom Brady. And by that, I mean getting and roughing the passer for throwing him to the ground. But if you watch the play, Grady Jarrett starts off on the left side of the the, would be the right guard and stunts three gaps over on a curl. So when you talk about communication amongst the offensive line, the right guard had to communicate to the center, which had to communicate to the left guard and it didn't happen. Jarrett looped right around free run at Brady. So the Browns are going to have to get creative in their front 
four because the Patriots, like I said, 80% of their runs are inside the tackles. And that spells problem. Yeah. It's going to be one where it's just limp along. Um, And the worst thing is, after this game, it just keeps getting harder. Um, This is one of those last games where you go, hey, there's a chance we pick something else up because when you go then to Ravens, Bengals. I was going to say, you want to talk about run gaps. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson and run gaps, but we'll get, we'll get down that road. But I think Jack, the idea is they need to start building up good games because we know the offense. is putting up points. I'm not expecting the, the Browns defense to hold new England to 17 points or 14 points. You hold them to under 21 points. And I have a, I have a good feeling we'll win this game. And you win the game on offense. Let's talk about the offense. Offense has been good, but Bill Belichick, he, if anything, is kind of the equalizer, right? He made Jared Goff. They set the tone very early against the Lions. The Lions came out, moved the ball pretty well. They come out, it's fourth and one. Browns are very familiar with fourth and ones. They tried to run a inside handoff to Jamal Williams, who has lined up as the fullback, and Christian Barmore and Jawan Bentley blew up the interior O-line of the Lions and stuffed them for about a yard and a half loss. Very familiar. We've seen it in ours. Bill Belichick notoriously is going to take away what you do best and cause you to get other guys involved. I just think that Belichick may do something a little different to the Browns this week. And it kind of plays a little bit into your theories, Jack. I don't think he focuses on taking away Nick Chubb. I think he says, you're going to make Nick Chubb beat me. I think he's going to run man press on the outside. He's going to make sure that just, I mean, Belichick runs man press. That's what he does. He's run it for 20 odd years. So that's not a shock to anybody. I'm going to press your guys on the outside. I'm going to make Jacoby Brissett make quick decisions. Cause remember he knows him very well coached him. You're going to have to make quick decisions. You're not going to beat me with the pass. You're going to have to run the ball for 10 play, 12 play, 14 play drives. I think he's going to go that route and just say, I'm going to wear down your running back because he's got a, he's got a plethora of defensive linemen that they bring in and they're going to beat them down. And they're going to say, we're not giving you these 15 yard digs. Not that's, I think what they're going to take away. I think they're going to take away the Browns passing game. Yeah. And if they're going to see a lot of man, then even though Jack Jones has been really good, um, was it sixth round rookie? Yeah. He's not um, even a starter though. He, he's come in, done a good job. Um, there's one that I'd keep an eye on Amari Cooper because if it is just pure man-to-man, then Amari Cooper should get some opportunity. But the only thing is, is so right now the Patriots, the starting corners are Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills. Those are your two starting corners. Mills has struggled this year. Jonathan Jones has been solid. They run three safeties at times too. So you basically in the front, you'll have alternating fronts. In the Lions, they use three-man, four-man, and five-man fronts. They have Dietrich Wise, Davin Godshaw, Christian Barmore, and former Brown Daniel Ukale. Those are your kind of four guys that rotate because right now Lawrence Guy is out. At the linebacker role, they run Matt Judon, who we're very familiar with from the Ravens, Jawan Bentley, he's in for running plays really only, and this guy named Jelani Tavai. He's kind of their thumper. He's the guy who's going to run around, plays a little bit like his hair's on fire. And then, of course, I don't know how the Browns are going to do this, but like the, the second to last ranked linebacker, Mac Wilson comes in and rotates in from time to time as well. In the secondary, Kyle Duggar's a stud. He can tackle, he can run, he can play. So yes, they run man, 
but you have to be careful because if they know, oh, Amari Cooper likes these slants, you better watch Kyle Duggar because he's going to be watching. He's going to be kind of trying to plan when those throws are coming. The other safety, Devin McCourty, longtime staple in that Patriots defense. And then the other guy the Browns should be very familiar with is Jabril Peppers. There's your third safety. So those are the those are really the kind of the guys that they run. Jack Jones, who we talked about, Jonathan Jones, Jalen Mills, Kyle Duggar, Devin McCourty, and Jabril Peppers. You're going to see in a, a mixture of those guys, whether it's a nickel, whether it's in dime. That's why I think they're going to go to more of a dime role. They're going to take Najoku out. They're going to take Cooper out. They're going to be able to take out Donovan Peoples-Jones and say, you're going to have to beat me with four yards in a cloud of dust all the time. Because that's how you're going to keep the Browns offense from putting up 28. That, that, that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch, but I, I'm not expecting quite as high-scoring game as we've seen in uh, the last few weeks. I think I'm with you there. It, it's one of those ones where if the Browns can hit a play, right? So we hit that Nick Chubb last time we played it and he ran all the way down and fumbled. If you can hit a big play, he actually, Belichick did a pretty funny uh, breakdown of the Patriots website of the Nick Chubb 41-yard touchdown run. And he's kind of breaking the running off tackle. They use a jumbo set. He talks about how the Browns have that jumbo alignment with Michael Dunn coming in on the right side. And then he talks about how the chargers, he's like, if, if anything, you have two unblocked guys in, in Belichick where he goes, you have two unblocked guys here. And Nick Chubb just beats them all. He goes, the defenders are in good spot. He just missed a tackle. And you watch it. You see Chubb bounce off one tackle and bounce off another tackle. And then he goes, but he's talking about defensively. There was unblocked guys to make the play. They just didn't make the play. I don't think you're going to have that same luxury with the Patriots. And that's, I think a guy like Nick Chubb remembers the, was it two fumbles that he had against the Patriots? I think it was maybe two fumbles that day. It was not a great game for Nick Chubb. He on the stat sheet, he was fine, but it's going to be a tough game. However, if you can get a lead 14, 17 points on the Patriots, as we heard the BMW go by, they're not a team that can chase you. You need defensively to put them in a position in the second half where they are chasing a two-score game. You need Bailey Zappi passing. You need Mac Jones passing. They have to find a way to hold strong in the first half and let that offense get up by 10 or more going to the second half because at some point you're going to have to get the Patriots to abandon the run because I think that's what they're going to try to do because Belichick's old school. I'm going to run it till you stop it. Trying to look here. So Patriots defense, 26th in rushing, 11th in passing, 22nd in points given up overall. 26th in rushing. So that's why I think there might be a little bend, don't break there. On offense, they're 10th in the league in rushing, 22nd in passing, and 23rd in points. So we said, Jack, they're not going to put up a ton of points. But you give them turnovers, special teams, special teams, Mike Prefer, they're going to try to block a punt. They're going to set up a return. They might run a fake as well. Never put it past Belichick. He is out. He is going to out prepare all of the coaches. He just what he does. So I'm going to kick us off with a prediction here. I'm going to go 23-20. 23-20 who? Browns. Browns. Oh, yeah. You never know. Paul, sometimes you see Paul. Sometimes whenever you're given predictions, he's sitting on his seat. So Paul. Do you have a coveted prediction for what you think this game might turn out to be? I'm going to go with the classic Browns 21, Patriots 20. I feel it in my bones. And if you look, every game that we've lost or won this season has been really close. So, yeah, 21-20, I think it's a fair result. Did you see the stat about going into the fourth quarter, Jack? 
So the Browns in all of their games have been leading going into the fourth quarter. And I think the first time in I forget how many decades that a team doesn't have three wins. There's three times in the Super Bowl era that that's happened. Where a team oh, no, has gone into the fourth. Yeah, I think it's leading going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, three times. All five games and not win. It's like, and it's like, yeah, what percent has only won? And one has got one win. Um, yeah, it's, Anthony Reinhardt dug it out. It was uh, crazy. Yeah, it's just one of those stats where you have to close because that's that's when the pressure. So if Paul's prediction or your prediction comes true at you know twenty one twenty or twenty three twenty, ah, man, that's going to be tough because the Browns have shown they can't execute late in games. Jacoby Brissett three interceptions and all three interceptions have been what in the final two minutes, final two minutes and thirty seconds, not great. Hey, let's score on the first three drives, go up 21-0, and then uh, play prevent the rest of the game and give Browns fandom a heart attack. <laughs> oh, God. It would be kind of funny, but realistically, Jack, don't you just kind of see it where it's one of those things where the Browns maybe come out and try to see how disciplined they are with that play action. I see them kind of really trying to maybe use Njoku early. I know Belichick's up there. Is this the greatest tight end the Browns have had since Ozzie Newsome? Listen, this guy's a master of the media. Don't let him fool you. But no... The Browns are going to have to do some things to test the discipline of this team because we know they're going to be prepared. We know that Belichick's going to put together a scouting report on all of the guys. And all week, it's been about stopping Nick Chubb. Mm, don't believe everything you see. I'm going to say, because the easy answer is, well, they're going to go out and stop Nick Chubb and make Jacoby Brissett beat him. Are you sure about that? I'm yeah, not. He does love the old mind games. It's, uh, it's one where the Detroit Lions have been really, really efficient on fourth downs. So he came out and spoke wax lyrical about how their punter's the best punter in the league. Um, and it's whatever he's telling you is probably the opposite that's going on. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a sales technique, and that's really what it is. I mean, all of their guys are limited in practice. And this, I mean, Damian Harris, who they're saying is going to be out for a couple of weeks, was limited in practice on Thursday. He just... He does things different. You know, he is. I don't want to say like he's just a different breed than most of your head coaches, just in the way he is. And we know that from in Cleveland because we hated him. I wouldn't say we because I don't mind him. It was only like 10. The media hated him because he doesn't give you a lot of things. You know, it's, oh, well, what's this thing? Oh, I think we're going to go out and we're going to play the best brand of football we can. And, you know, at the end of the day, we got to stop the run, stop the pass and keep them from scoring. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, the team that uh, scores the most points probably going to win the game. So, uh, you know, yards are very, very important out there, very tough to get. And you're just like, thanks, Bill. Thanks. Great, great insight there. And he doesn't care. He He's not out there to appease us, but – I do think, though, Jack, if the Browns can pull this off, because my prediction is going to be a little different. I'm going to go Browns 26, Patriots 17. And I do think that it's going to be one of those things where you're going to see a few field goals. And, you know, I, I live it. I live Cave York. You know, obviously, he's got to get that thing figured out. He's got to get the driver into the fairway at this point. He's just he's spraying it a little out there. Um, it's the Browns are going to have one of those two point conversion things. That's where I came up with 26 and not 27. But I think the Browns are going to be leading late, and I think they are going to score going into a late fourth quarter. It's going to kind of push it up to, like, it's going to be 2017. They score, you know, go for two or something, something weird. I haven't done the complete math on it, but I think the Browns are going to win, and I think it's going to change the palette. You know, we always talk about this, and Paul mentions this a lot about, you know, 
when you win, it's just the food tastes better, right? Mike Patton famously said the cigar tastes better, the, the alcohol tastes better, the sex is better, the whole nine yards, right? The Browns need that palate cleanser. They need a win against a respectable franchise. We can send Harry Kane back to his crying tears. They got to get it. They got to get it. Paul, are you going to be watching the game on your phone this week? Or are you actually going to be able to sit down and uh, watch a little on, a, on an actual television? A really good question. Uh, I'll be in Cyprus. So Cyprus? For the people in America, is that a country, a city? What the hell is Cyprus? Basically, Cyprus is a very safe place. It's in the Middle East. He's kind of sounding like Owen right now, isn't he? Sorry, I'll try and work on my English. Yeah, so basically, Cyprus is in the middle of the uh, Mediterranean, uh, in the Middle East, close to Turkey. Gotcha. So you'll be watching the Browns in Cyprus. Hopefully, I can find the Browns backers bar in Cyprus. There's got to be one. Jack, Jack, in the world. Jack, much like me, I think we're actually all because I'm going back to Ohio this weekend. Um, you're going to see the parents. So we're, are you going to be watching the game back home? Yeah, it's not too bad. Six o'clock kickoff. I'll be home. So uh... not, too, not too bad. Did you stay up and watch that uh, that legendary Bears Bears game last night? No, the last two weeks I've looked at the uh, Thursday night football schedule and all it said is go to bed. So uh, I've, I've, I've gone to bed. I can't believe you missed the Carson Wentz, Justin Fields bowl. Watch the whole thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking a pass on both those weeks. So uh, thank you very much. And uh, no. All right. Game balls, Jack, offense, defense. Who do you, who are your predictions? Who's going to get the game ball on offense and defense? I'm going to go on Murray Cooper. I think if they're going to have to do something, if it's man-to-man zone, uh, man-to-man uh, coverage, then this could be the time when he, he really does something. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, this is just—it's it's like who's not going to be bad? Um, <laughs> I'm going to say Taven Bryant. Why not? Um, Brian, I, Brian, I, no I think we see um, Davidson or Davison or whatever you said his name was come in. Tyler Davison. And that allows Taven Bryan to play a bit better. So uh, I, I think this is the one where we're talking about him having the defensive tackles doing a little bit better. Okay. Hey, Jack, do you think that this is the uh, the week that – because right now I think of all of the 11 sacks or so the Browns have, Jordan Elliott has one, Tommy Togiai has one. Do any defensive tackle get a sack this week? My boy does. You think Taven Bryan is getting yeah. a sack this week? I know, I know – Bailey Zappi, he's going to have a better career than Tom Brady, but he doesn't start off perfect. All right, I'm going – we'll get to Paul here in a second. I'm going defensively. I think it's going to be his time to shine. I think the bright lights have come on. I think that he's got to make amends for his reckless operation of a motor vehicle. I think as much as Trent Brown is a massive human who dwarfs Paul Brown – Miles Garrett is also a massive human and he is much faster than Trent Brown. I have two sacks, a forced fumble coming from number 95, Miles Garrett. So that's an easy one. He's a $25 million man who people are convincing me impacts the game by making the quarterback throw incompletions. But Miles Garrett is getting the game ball on defense and offensively. 
This is a guy I, I sometimes sleep on, but if the Browns offense is going to be effective, he has to win his one-on-one matchups. I'm talking about you, Donovan, people, Jones, Donovan. They are going to do what they can to take Amari Cooper off. They're going to have a safety over the top. They're going to spy him over the center. You're going to have a robber-like thing. We all know Baker had trouble with Minka as a robber. The question is, does Jacoby Brissett have issue with a robber? Donovan Peoples-Jones is the one that's going to have to win his one-on-ones. I don't care if it's Jack Johnson, Jack Jones, Jimmy Jones, or Johnny Blue. Whoever it is covering you, beat them. Beat them like a drum. Get me 100 yards. I need 100 yards and a score, preferably one of the 40-yard ilk. I do not have you in any of my fantasies because I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. However, Donovan Peoples-Jones, game ball on offense, Miles Garrett, game ball on defense. What says you, Mr. Paul Brown? Going with Enjuki on the offense and on the defense. Come again. I'm going with Enjuki on the offense. Yep. Jock on the defense. JOK. Yeah. Ah, JOK. You know, I. We at one point in the halfway season, we're going to have to do something about him and figure out where he's best, where he's best. Because I like so much I see that guy. And I think I think you're on to something, Paul. I think if there's a guy that can make a play on defense, because remember how Jack said earlier when he was going, I need to find the guy that doesn't stink. In a role, he will not stink. So I think that's a good one out of you. I think uh, JOK is definitely, definitely in there in my top three. I just don't think he's going to surpass Superman. Uh, NASCAR driver, Mr. Miles Garrett. So specials, we got anything we're worried about on specials or are we just hoping we don't lose the game on specials? Well, we, we're going to be big underdogs on specials this week, but um, it's just trying to make sure we don't do anything wrong. Um, that if we see another miss out of Cade York any time in this game, any sort of kick under 50 yards, then pressure is going to continue to mount, which... I know you want to say, hey, he's a rookie, give him the whole year, and I think that's what they will do. That can start playing in his head, which uh, could really take a knock-on impact. So, fingers crossed, even if it's just he has, say, two kicks in the entire game, or what, one field goal, even if it's just three points after TDs, then just finishing the game with a 100% record will have a massive benefit for him. For him... I don't know about you, Jack, but whenever the Brown, the minute like the the arms of the officials go up for touchdown Browns, I instantly start holding my breath. I'm like, here comes the kick, and that's that's just entrained in me since Phil Dawson. Like in Phil Dawson, I used to go go to the bathroom. I'd be like, oh, touchdown Browns, that's gonna be seven points, and I was rarely ever let down. Now I know the field our extra points were different. Stop, don't have to tweet me that. The minute we score, I'm always like. And I hold my breath just to see once it goes through, I, I can I have my namaste moment. York needs to make sure his mechanics are back because listen, there are sometimes as an NFL kicker, you hit a good ball and it just doesn't go in. I get it. I get it. I want to see mechanics. I don't want to see tails. If you're going to play a fade, that's one thing, but he plays a draw. He plays the bend. It's easier to control. He just needs to get his mechanics back. He needs to make sure that he's hitting a good ball 
If he can pop one in from 45, hell, I don't even care if he has a game like the Chargers kicker makes five kicks from under 33 yards because everybody's sending that guy to the Pro Bowl and his longest field goal is 28 yards. So even if the Browns do that, they get the ball. Maybe if you're Stefanski, be a little bit more aggressive. I wouldn't send him out there for 56s and 58s right now. Let's get that rhythm down under 40, no misses. No misses. I want him within a half yard of the freaking center pole like Tucker. No misses under 40, hit a good ball. And I think at the end of the day, I do think he's going to be busy, though. I think the Patriots are going to bend, not break. Hence why I can see them maybe having to shoot some 40s and stuff. But I got faith in you, Cade. You kicked in the bayou. Come on. Fourth and two. Send the Brissette train. I'm I'm not saying I would even be against it. So, all right. Anything else we got to add? Go, bro. I'm just happy. I'm happy Scott Shammer's back in the USA. Well, he's finally, he finally got taken off of Interpol's list as being an accomplice of Paul Brown. Yeah. I I reckon he just wanted to stay to get some more time with Paul Brown. Yeah. He he needed an extra day to head up to the Northern Helens and pick himself up some scotch. So actually, he was actually meant to train with the Harlequin on Wednesday, but he didn't because he was sitting at his passport. All right, everyone. Listen, let's get the W. Let's get back to three and three. Hopefully, we don't give up 350 yards rushing. If, even if they give up 200 yards rushing and they still win the game, it doesn't really matter. But on that note, I got nothing else to add. Sit back, enjoy your weekend of football. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.